At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Gordon has been on the show before. Gordon is a walking, um, I used to say encyclopedia, but what, what do I say now? You're, you're a walking uh, 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 Google as it relates to uh, U.S.-China uh, relations uh, or unrelations, uh, South Korea. You've written many books. Uh, previous books are Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, The Coming Collapse of China. And he now is the author of The Great U.S.-China Tech War and Losing South Korea. Welcome to the show, Gordon. How are you today? I'm fine, Judge, and thank you so much. All right. Well, we've got some big issues here. We've got North Korea flying warplanes near the South Korean border, which then is prompting an Air Force scramble. What is going on in North Korea? I think the North Koreans believe that they can do whatever they want because the world is distracted by Ukraine. And so, therefore, they've been on this accelerated missile test. We had a test on Tuesday of an intermediate-range ballistic missile, which went farther than any other North Korean test. And then just yesterday, the North Koreans fired two short-range ballistic missiles. So um, they're on a record pace this year, and they are making a lot of progress in improving their launchers. And with these uh, uh, ballistic missiles, I mean, that can go farther than they've ever gone in the past, how does that impact the United States, and why should Americans care? Well, in 2017, North Korea tested its longest-range missile, the Wasong-15. Now, it didn't go far down the range, but they did fire it high into the air, which, and if you um, extrapolate, it can hit any part of the United States. We know the North Koreans are working on a nuclear warhead, which means that they can probably in now or in a very short period of time incinerate the American city of their choice. Okay, so, uh, you know, it's interesting. You say that while the world is being distracted with Ukraine, that North Korea can start, you know, playing these games, and and that games obviously is the wrong word to use. Um, But apparently the U.S. military officials said that the warhead on South Korea's missile uh, didn't explode. So South Korea... Uh, it sends a missile, but the propellant did cause a large blast and flames. Uh, local residents apparently were afraid. What, I mean, what, what are the relations there? How bad are they between North and South Korea, and why should we care? Yeah, well, North and South Korea right now are not on good terms. And the reason is that uh, there's a new president, Yoon Suk-yeol, who is conservative-leaning, he is not about to support the North Korean regime like the, the previous president, Moon Jae-in. The previous president was anti-American in the extreme, and there were very difficult relations that we had with South Korea, our ally, because South Korea was actually closer to China and North Korea than it was to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, now that has changed under Yoon Suk-yeol, um, and North Korea is acting up because they don't like the new government in Seoul. 
Right now, we should care because um, at this point, North Korea can do anything. Um, it's got the missiles. It's got the nukes. It's got the will to cause trouble. And that could make the United States in a point where we have to not only be concerned about Eastern Europe, we've got to be concerned about East Asia. Right. And and East Asia is is in a in a position in a very vulnerable position or are we in the vulnerable position? We're in a vulnerable position because we're stretched around the world. China right now is concentrating its assets on Taiwan. They've got troops deep into Indian controlled territory in the Himalayas. They have been pressuring the Philippines and Japan in the South China Sea and East China Sea. So China across its south and east peripheries is causing troubles, and the United States is really stretched uh, at this point. Um, we have commitments all over the world. We don't have the assets that are sufficient to protect our friends, our allies, and, of course, ourselves. Well, and, and the sad part about that is that the commitments that the United States has around the world – uh, you know, many of them, I, I think, and I, I think a lot of Americans would agree we should, uh, you know, take a second look at and decide whether or not it's worth, you know, our assets uh, our, uh, and our money. But right now, uh, Taiwan is in a very vulnerable situation. They say that they're going to treat Chinese military flights into its airspace as a first strike. Uh, and that means that everybody's on heightened alert over in uh, Taiwan. And so the as Chinese fighter jets or drones intrude into Taiwan's territorial airspace, uh, we know that Taiwan's defense minister is now saying uh, that uh, it's going to step up its defenses in response to Beijing's military pressure. Now, wh- well, where yes. does that go? Well, um, Taiwan and the United States for a very long time uh, tried to appease China, tried to avoid conflict. Unfortunately, that didn't work. Beijing just took that as a green light to be even more provocative. And we've seen this with the overflight of Taiwan's airspace on February 5, and of course, these drones. So there is really a point where American policy, which has really tried to keep tensions down, has actually worked to increase tensions. And by the way, Judge, this is in the context of Afghanistan. The Mm -hmm. calamitous withdrawal from Afghanistan really showed the Chinese that the United States was incapable. That's their view. Now, I'm not agreeing with that, but that's not important. What's important is what Beijing thinks. And that's just to give you a sense of why that's important is because Vladimir Putin, after seeing what happened in Afghanistan, decided he could invade Ukraine despite all the warnings from the West. Right, right. And and you know what? It, it's not a question, really. It, it, it really is, is not a, a question of, you know, whether we're capable or not capable. I think we proved to the world that we were incapable. I mean, the world watched in horror as uh, as we left Afghanistan. It was a it was a nightmare. And I think that even the Biden administration, you know, they talk about the one China policy, but at the same time, they talk about defending Taiwan. How does that work? Well, uh, President Biden on four occasions has said to journalists that uh, the United States will militarily defend Taiwan. The most recent one was 60 Minutes, where the president was explicit. But after each of those interviews, his subordinates walked back his comments. Um, And that was, in a sense, a constitutional crisis, Judge, because in our constitutional system, 
the president is the commander in chief. The president is the one who determines foreign policy. So what the Chinese and the Russians saw was, yes, the United States as the most powerful military in the world, but we have no political will. And the decision making process in Washington is broken down because everyone wants to contradict the president. So the system is in disarray. Right. Right. Yeah, it clearly is in disarray. And, you know, the question that everyone asks Gordon Chang is whether or not, uh, you know, who is in charge whenever the president goes back after saying something and then people come out and try to explain it, whether it's Karine Jean-Pierre, who can't explain anything as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, they come out and they say, no, that that's not the case. We've got the one China policy. You say to yourself, who really is in charge? And, you know, who is making these decisions? Who is doing the clawbacks? And, you know, it, 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 does this president not have the, you know, the, the, the fortitude to say, look, that's what I said. That's what I believe. I'm the president. You know, I was elected. But he doesn't seem to have it. And, uh, you know, so now the question is, so what would happen when, if and when Taiwan uh, is attacked by China. I mean, the question is, I mean, what do we do then? I mean, does the does our military respond? Well, the military has to take orders from the commander-in-chief. But as you point out, the commander-in-chief says a lot of things, but his subordinates um, countermand his comments. And so this is the, the effect it's had in Moscow and in Beijing, where they see that the administration is not capable of making decisions. Uh, and it's not just a question of China invading Taiwan. It's a question of China provoking an accident, for instance, in the global commons, right. where it's been very provocative intercepts of planes and ships. And one of those could end up in an accident like it did in April 2001. Interesting. And, you know, the whole idea of uh, Nancy Pelosi going over there and China being outraged at her going over there. Uh, but she still went to her credit. I do give her credit for that. Um, what was that all about? I mean, it, China is is smart, is smarter than to make a threat and not follow through with it. What was that about? Well, yeah, here again, this is another issue of disarray. Um, because it was the Biden administration, somebody in the Biden administration leaked to the Financial Times um, the speaker's trip to Taiwan. Um, the speaker did not announce it. The speaker did not want anyone to announce it. And yet uh, someone in the Biden administration talked to the paper and with the obvious intent of trying to derail the trip. Now, when Beijing heard Biden's comments to reporters that he, you know, the Pentagon didn't think it was a good idea that she went, Beijing ramped up its threats and its in attempts to intimidate the United States. So the president of the United States opened the door to more provocative Chinese behavior. He made this a bigger deal than it should have been. You know, if there hadn't been the leak to the paper, the speaker could have gone to Taiwan. Yes, China would have complained, but it would not have been the major incident that it turned out to be. But then China did nothing, though. China looked weak at that point. Uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi looks stronger than China. Well, she does, um, and she probably is in some sense. But what Beijing did after her trip, though, was to declare those seven exclusion zones around Taiwan, which told the world that China intends to actually impose an embargo on the island. And that in, was quite provocative. 
The United States needed to actually respond, and we did not. And right. that, again, is another symptom of weakness of the president of the United States and his policymaking apparatus. And the shame of this is that, you know, with the Biden administration, if, if uh, North Korea is going to act or if China is going to act against Taiwan, I mean, that there's no better administration, I would think, as they look at this, uh, to do it uh, uh, in than the Biden administration. They know that under the Trump administration, it would have been very different. Uh, I, I suspect that, you know, seeing the weakness coming out of Afghanistan, that both the North Korean and the Chinese, you know, are, are you know, a little more comfortable doing and, and saying things that they might not have under another administration. Well, history would say that you're absolutely correct, because it was in 2014 during the Obama administration that Putin seized Crimea. It was during the four years of President Trump's administration that Putin did nothing. China did nothing. And it was under the Biden administration on February 24th of this year that Putin invaded Ukraine. So we have a demonstration. History has told us that whatever one thinks of President Trump's policies, they obviously worked and they kept the peace for four years. And the amazing part of this is that, you know, when Russia went into Ukraine, North Korea sided with Russia. Yes. And, and there are reports released um, from declassified U.S. intelligence that the Russians intended to buy massive amounts of artillery shells and other equipment from North Korea, which is, by the way, a violation of U.N. Security Council sanctions. But the Biden mm-hmm. administration has done nothing about that. Interesting. And, and this is really a, a symptom of the weakness of the Biden administration. They know what's going on. They have the means to stop it. They decide not to stop it. Isn't that that's very interesting. I was unaware of that. Very interesting. And 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 finally, I mean, with Putin now and and Ukraine uh, and the United States uh, looking for oil with OPEC saying, you know, we're not going to we're not going to provide you with more oil. And now uh, and now Biden saying, oh, you know, we're going to look at all our options. Well, it looks like the only option left is Venezuela. And, And yet Joe Biden will not will not look to America to uh, to look for our energy independence that we had under the Trump administration. And there's a backstory here, and that is President Trump had perhaps the most successful Middle East policy. Biden decided to take it down. He decided to go after the Saudis. And there are consequences for uh, criticizing the Saudis and undermining their regime. And one of them was we saw just yesterday with that decision uh, of OPEC to cut production. There are consequences for bad American Saudi Arabia policy. We just saw it yesterday, Judge. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you don't you don't trash the, a country and then say, listen, we need this and that. I mean, they don't owe us anything. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it's like going, it's like having a kitchen and having food in your own house and uh, going to your neighbor who who hates you and you hate him and saying, listen, do you have any any extra food? Because, uh, you know, we're not cooking here. And that's I mean, it's just a simple analogy. But I mean, the truth is that we can do this ourselves, but he won't do it. And the truth is that Joe Biden knows that to have any transition to this group. 
green energy that he's so desperate to create. You need fossil fuels. And, you know, so now we're on our knees to uh, uh, to Venezuela after OPEC and, uh, you know, the Saudis said, you know, hit the road, Jack. Uh, any final thoughts, Gordon? Biden's energy policy is hideous. In the first weeks of the Trump administration, they said that the United States should drill lower costs for U.S. manufacturers and give leverage to the U.S. around the world because we can sell it. Biden decided that was um, that he was going to take down the best energy policy ever. And now we have the consequences that we see. The world is falling apart. The Biden administration is largely responsible for this because they opened the door to Russian and Chinese and North Korean aggressive acts and behavior. Yeah, the, the three countries that, you know, we really weren't concerned about, but all of a sudden they seem closer than ever in terms of uh, the world getting smaller. Anyway, Gordon Chang, thank you so much for joining us on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, we appreciate your expertise. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Judge. I really right. appreciate it. Take care.